because packing a lot of dialogue into something when you're reading a comic it's it's kind of terrifying if you come to a page which just like here's a big old paragraph you're like I, I can't do it Anyways, hello everybody. Welcome to DTR Comics Podcast, where we go over different visual media every week, except for the weeks when we don't, because we have lives, but we do pretty good. And today we are talking about Hawkeye, My Life is a Weapon, and I like this because look, you can see it. Ah, look at that. Ooh, it's very nice. Dallas, why don't you tell us about the creators of this book? All right, so the portion that we're going to be covering today is written by Matt Fraction, who has written a lot of really great stuff. Uh, I'm blanking in my brain right now. I'm reading some of his modern stuff. But Matt Fraction... This is your job. You're the only one who knows this. I know. So he's writing Adventure Man right now. He honestly is the most famous for this. He writes a lot of quirky stuff. He wrote Sex Criminals, which is great. Probably won't ever read it on this podcast, but it's a very good comic. So if you're into... A little bit more raunchy stuff. Read Sex Criminals. (laughs) Um, And the portion that we're going through has art by David Aha, who I genuinely don't know what else he's done, which might be bad on me. But they're literally, they kind of like made their bread and butter with this series. It's from 2011. It came out of the Marvel Now stuff, which was Marvel just trying to revitalize their characters, make, have a little bit different takes, have more. Uh, representative casts I guess and I feel like a lot of really great stuff came out of it in all honesty and then the- I'm surprised I've never heard of the artist before because like I really really dig this art like I'm I'm gonna show a panel I'm just gonna put it up by the camera so you talk JP okay yeah I don't know I might be the the noob to comics here because I, I I'm not really familiar with the names yet on the artists and the writers but yeah, it's a good thing we got T and Dallas helps out there. But the stroke is so heavy on this art. I love the lines, the big heavy lines. I want them thick and fat and dark. And I'm stopping that train of thought. Never mind. <laughs> just, Can just I take like, it back? I like your women. <laughs> you like it rough. Yeah, oh, gosh. <laughs> oh, dear. Dark and black. Okay. Uh, uh, that was a, that was a stupid we're joke. moving on uh, um, and then the, the colorings from Matt Hollingsworth who has done really great work across all of Marvel and he's done some creator stuff I believe with Kelly Sudaconic on Pretty Deadly but we want to have like a little bit more deep dive this time focus hyper focusing on these first three issues of Hawkeye and rather than doing like story breakdowns or I guess our impressions of the plot. We want to talk a little bit more about the craft and some of the higher concept things that are going on in Matt Fraction's Hawkeye. Because at the end of the day, like people fell in love with this rendition of Hawkeye and it was important enough that it has since influenced how Hawkeye is perceived. Like he has never been the Hawkeye that he was before this ever again. In the same way that Tom King reinvented Mr. Miracle or even how the MCU reinvented a lot of those characters for the comic books when did this come out 2011 so this was like right around the time that they introduced hawkeye in the mcu yeah so which is funny the like the hawkeye from the mcu is so not hawkeye from the comics 
And then they were like, all right, we need a good Hawkeye comic book to go along with this. And Matt Fraction's like, oh, man, Jeremy Renner sucks as Hawkeye. Oh, I'm not really interested in, like, that whole Playboy tough guy thing that was going on before. We're just going to rewrite who we think Hawkeye is for the comics. And it's good. Tell us about Hawkeye, JP. Well, at least the Hawkeye in these comics, I, I enjoy him. He's kind of, kind of a smartass. He's, I don't know. Kind he of. Kind of. <laughs> that might be an understatement, but... I don't know. I I like him. He's got a he's got a really he's got a charisma about him. Like uh, in the first issue, what I really like is he he's an Avenger with no powers, and so like he kind of has the rough side. Of, he, he has a short end of the stick, if you'd say. And so even though he doesn't have any powers, he goes about doing the same stuff, saving the world and whatnot. But like it's really cool because it kind of shows you a uh, a sneak peek into like his normal life. He lives in like. A rundown apartment building. Um, all these tenants are really close. They go up and do like their barbecues and stuff every weekend or every night, right? I, I don't know, but like they're really close, and so it's fun to see just how human Hawkeye is, um, especially compared to all the other Avengers. And you see that as well when it comes down to. Just lost the video for a sec. Okay. Yeah, you see that as well when it comes to the action scenes and the fighting. It's like he takes some hard falls, and since he doesn't have like superpowers or anything like that, like you can you can tell that like he he's getting hit hard. Like that's one of the first introductions to this character. It says you cowboy around with the Avengers. Some guys got what armor, magic, superpowers, super strength, shrink dust, grow glow, grow rays, magic, healing factors. I'm an orphan raised by carnies fighting with a stick and a string from the Paleolithic era. And so it does this really good job of just presenting him as like Hawkeye, everyman, who is, it's, it's very different than he is in the MCU because he's, he doesn't have a family here. And he's just kind of like this single, like 40 year old dude that like doesn't have a lot going on. Mm-hmm. And, but he, but he is a hero and they do a really good job of presenting him as a hero. And so I think something that really helps hammer home this everyday aspect of Hawkeye and sort of the weight of the punches that he's taking as a regular person living in an Avengers world is the art of David Aha. So I love on this first page, the artwork that goes along with that narrative that T just had. You see those four tall vertical pattern panels where Hawkeye is descending and slowly getting smaller and smaller along the panels. And so you start out on sort of this yellow grade with Hawkeye hanging. He smacks into the wall. He begins to fall. You've got sort of like anime-esque speed lines coming off of him that that demonstrate that he's going quick. And then Matt Hollingsworth does a phenomenal job of then coloring in like this burnt orange sort of deep maroony red color Hawkeye smacking down into the car. And like that could have been told in a lot less panels. Like we could have seen Hawkeye up tall. Then the next panel, we could have seen him smashed into the car. And we our brain would have filled it in. But I think decompressing it and showing it in these four panels is something that AHA does throughout the run that really helps add momentum, add weight to the thumps, the bumps, the bruises, and just, like, the feats that Clint is pulling off. And, like, you feel that he fell off of a building in Brooklyn onto a muscle cart, you know? Like, you can feel the crunch, and it makes sense that a few panels later he's sitting in the ICU. Yeah, and it just does a very good job of making you see 
this guy is human and he gets hurt and i feel like it's the first point of this thing of like how do you recreate a beloved character and make him interesting is it just makes him really human right off the bat and really somebody that you can kind of identify with because you're like oh yep i could totally see falling off a building missing the shot and then crashing and ending up in the icu that this is all of us as superheroes is in the icu with a shattered pelvis three broken ribs sprained your neck cracked your fibula your left clavicle right ulna and your spleen nearly ruptured it's like that that's what superhero life looks for us mortals yeah so something that i really like about um clint about hawkeye is like he kind of lets himself be a punching bag for other people um so like in this issue so he's in this apartment building and there's a bunch of other tenants there and the landlord he like triples the rent on everybody basically to get them out of there um but hawkeye as an avenger um i don't know it's really cool he doesn't let that happen he goes through the effort to he uses his own money to pay for everybody to pay out the rent and everything but like the guy he doesn't want to take it and so like he starts um fighting them just like help out everybody else that's living there so that they can keep their place to live and as a human like he takes a real beat in trying to take on this guy's goonies and whatnot and so it's it's kind of fun you see him in the in the panels he's got like uh something on his nose broken nose and he's always got like scratches on his face and i don't know he's just a lot more kind of rough and tough uh character than sort of like tactile more tactile than the rest of them oh yeah yeah and so i don't know he he seems really sacrificial for like people that he's close to those people in the community and so that's something that i really liked about him made him more relatable which is great because it's kind of like that's what the heroes are you know it's this idea that anybody can be self-sacrificial for the people around them and help them and so it's kind of like, yeah, Hawkeye's gone and saved the world, but now he's just trying to, like, help the people close to him, which is a message I love, because sometimes you can't save the world, and sometimes you are a random person with normal powers, but you can still help those around you. Yeah, I agree. Um, I think something that that kind of brings that home as well, again, is the, the coloring from Matt Hollingsworth. If you flip, just flipping through this first issue, you can see the primary colors that are used. Obviously, there's like purple accents for Clint, but the pages are washed either yellow, blue, or red. And they almost, and this is just my interpretation, just flipping through. It seems like the more heroic moments from Clint, be it him triumphantly throwing his wheelchair into traffic, or him going and sticking up to the landlord about everyone else's rent or even him then going to buy the building from the evil landlord. These are all washed in this sort of golden color, this sort of like classic superhero sunshine all around. These things are great. But even that you see gets like more and more sickly green as it goes on and it starts to blend into the more somber blue colors of Hawkeye having to deal with the fallout from his actions. So he goes and he starts out in this golden light. He has to go and stop the tracksuit bandits, we'll call them. And that ends up getting him hurt, ends up getting this dog hurt, ends up getting the people around him hurt. And so it bleeds into a much more somber blue. 
and there even ends up being some greens on the transition pages between yellow and blue. And I think it's such a, a fantastic way to subtly lead us as readers where like, if you don't slow down, you're not going to notice that, but you're very aware of the mood that's going on on each of these pages. And I think Matt Hollingsworth really underscores that well. Yeah. If you got something to say about this JP, you should, because then I want to talk about Tinder. <laughs> okay. Um, well, it wasn't in this issue in particular. So a later issue, it's the car chase one. Mm-hmm. Um, you don't mind if I skip ahead to that, do you? No, we're just talking about the whole thing. Okay, cool. So I was actually looking at the artwork on, uh, and the coloring specifically on that one. And what you were saying kind of, I don't know, that was cool. But like in this issue, like the three colors that popped out to me were the, like, again, that kind of brown, yellow, gold. And for me, it kind of reminded me, I don't know, I've never played it, but like the first thing that popped in my mind was like Grand Theft Auto San Andreas. Yes. And especially this uh, issue, since it's a car chase, I'm like, okay, is this like a hint to that? And so I thought that was really cool. Second of all was the purple for Clint and for Katie. And like, that's just their kind of superhero color. Mm-hmm. Um, it's kind of fun seeing that kind of pop out in the car chasers. Uh, the red uh, Dodge, what was it? A Challenger? Yeah, the red Dodge Challenger and then the purple um, Volkswagen. But then, yeah, then there was that red for the really cool Volks- uh Sorry, the, uh, the Dodge Challenger and also its owner who we never get her name, do we? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I thought that was really cool, like how they just pop out as red, mm-hmm. kind of like a sexy and badass color. I don't know. Kind of like personifies them a bit more. Yeah, I didn't pick that up until you brought it up, but the cars are associated with the colors of these two women in Clint's life. Yeah. Honestly, you got like the purple of Katie of Kate being like sort of more grounded, and then you've got the exhilarating red with this new love interest with her muscle car with the action that's going on while Kate's just trying to like follow along and keep them safe. Yeah. I like that a lot. But yeah, when you're talking about colors, I just that kind of brought came to my mind. I wanted to mention that. What do you have to say about Tinder? Okay, we're going to talk about Tinder. So, I read the study once upon a time about Tinder that one of the biggest factors in determining like whether a girl would swipe right on a guy is whether or not they had a dog in their photos. <laughs> and so it made it funny to me when we're talking about like how do we make these characters likable? It's like give Clint a dog and make him like nice to the dog because then people will like him. And you do. You know? Because it's like that's the beginning of the story is he finds this dog that's kind of been mistreated by these gang members and he feeds it pizza. And then when he's about to get shot by said gang members, the dog attacks these people and gets kicked and into traffic and Clint saves the dog by flicking a coin through this guy's windshield. So he doesn't hit the dog as hard and then takes the dog to the vet the vet and says save this dog and they're all like i don't know he seems kind of sick and clint's like f that save the dog he's gonna live and i think it's just funny how we can relate to characters through their love of animals i didn't notice that but now that you say it yeah like that's something that i love about clint like the dog and how he yeah you gotta love pizza dog well, I also just love that, like, this down-to-earth version of a superhero has a dog. He also has one-night stands with crazy <laughs> redheads. Like, I love the image of 
him hopping out of the way and them censoring it with the classic Hawkeye mask. I feel like that is one of the best panels in the entire series. We posted it on our Twitter account. There's a shameless plug for our Twitter account there. But again, he he feels tactile. He feels like somebody that's just kind of like living his life, but he has this this pull towards morality and towards heroism that I guess like elevates him above the average person, you know? So he's just like living a normal life, but then he puts himself in harm's way to help other people. And I think that's the main difference between Hawkeye and you and me, you know? And it makes it a little more attainable to try and be like Hawkeye. Yeah. And I think it says a lot that just kind of like, he does have the courage to stand up to people and be okay with those consequences, which is something sadly we, we don't do a lot, but should we talk about Kate now? Oh, Kate. We're going to talk about Hawkeye again, but girl Hawkeye. Oh, she just, right. That's she just I, Hawkeye. Well, I mean, she's straight Hawkeye, which is why I led with that. But I love it. What, JP? So that's what I was going to ask. So I don't know as much on the kind of backstory on, like, Clint and Kate. Um, I know that both of them are Hawkeye. And then at one point, Clint is also, what, Ronan? Or is that his name? Okay. And so... All right. All right. So once upon a time, post-Civil War which you all saw in the movie, and if you read the comic, hats off to you. It's fine. Um, the Avengers get disbanded, and in the power vacuum, Norman Osborn and a bunch of the villains come and pose as heroes and become the Avengers. And so the real heroes have to come, become secret Avengers, and they take on new personas. And T gave me a look like, this is a lot of why I don't read superhero comics, and he's right. But they all take on these separate personas, Hawkeye's being Ronin, who's basically a ninja. So he dresses up like a ninja and kind of forgets the whole Hawkeye thing for a while. And so then, with the Secret Avengers going on, the young Avengers, a bunch of 17-year-olds, pick up the mantle of their favorite heroes, basically. And they are like, if they're not going to be... So Kate Bishop's like, if he's not going to be Hawkeye, I'll be Hawkeye. America Chavez is like, if there's not going to be a Captain America, I'll be Captain America. And like, so on and so forth. This next generation comes on. And it's actually one of the best runs of comic books ever, I would say. Kieran Gillen's run on Young Avengers is fantastic. Like, the main character that has survived past that whole era, still shows up in the comics today, is Kate Bishop, who is the stand-in for Hawkeye. And I think a lot of her staying ability does come from her tie to Clint here in the Matt Fraction, David Aha run. So, there's the history. Okay, that, that fills in a lot of gaps there. Well, Kate, Kate Bishop, she is Hawkeye as well. Um, what is she, like 19 or something like that? Less than that? Late teens, early 20s. And so, she was first in, what, the second issue? Uh, okay. Yeah, so it's kind of cool, like... I had no background on Kate whatsoever. And so, like, reading this, seeing her, to me, she was almost a better Hawkeye. I don't know if that's accurate or not. But, like, yeah, from what I could grasp, like, she seems to be even a better shot than Clint. And it's kind of funny because, like, she's this younger, um, almost a kid compared to Clint. But, like, so he treats her a little bit like a kid, but she still outskills him, which I think is really kind of funny. So it kind of keeps him humble a bit. But he still gives her crap all the time. 
Yeah, but he does respect her a lot. Like, oh, yeah. the very first time that it shows her, um, she's talking, and he says, This is Kate Bishop. Kate took over for me as Hawk, Hawkeye once upon a time when I was, well, dressing up like a ninja, sort of, as a short person. She is, without a doubt, the finest and most gifted bowman I've ever met. But she's, like, nine years old and spoiled rotten. She's pretty great. <laughs> and I just love that, like, aspect of respect from somebody like that is so different than Hawkeye especially because he could be like protective of that title or kind of be like I'm the best shot but he's like Kate is wonderful and she's everything she needs to be my favorite breakdown of the Clint and Kate relationship comes on the second to last page of the second issue where we get a phone call between the two of them which do you want to hold this up to the camera which again is laid out this side phenomenally by david aha to to demonstrate sort of the back and forth of the phone call but also highlighted here is definitely the the dialogue by matt fraction which reads do to do um kate says why me you know you know avengers you ran avengers why me because you're good Cap is good. Spider-Man is good. Why me? You're smart. So's Iron Man. So's everyone at your day job. Why me? You're rich. So are you now. Why? Because I don't want to sleep with you. Well, good. You're. Oh, and you can see how upset she is right there. Well, good. You're old enough to know how creepy that would be. Does this mean you want to sleep with Spider-Man? No, I... Because that screws it up. It always screws it up. I always screw it up. And Katie... I look at you and I think you're a lot like me. There are, I have these things I have to do. Yeah, not want, but have, you know? I can do them alone, but I bet that whatever it is that's in me is maybe in you. And and you just, there's nothing from Kate. I don't want you to get hurt. I'm a big girl, Clint. No, I know. I'm in. Okay, good. Good. Um, good night. Bye. Because I don't want to sleep with you? Dummy. <laughs> it's just so perfect to see like this little relationship between the two of them you know like she being Clint's ward wants so badly for her for him to value her and to like express that well and Clint being Clint is incapable of saying it to her so we read at the beginning of this issue he thinks she's one of the most talented bowmen ever. He thinks she's amazing. All these things. But when talking to her, all he can muster is, I don't want to sleep with you, so that's why I want you to be my partner. And she's like, you big dumbass. Like, are you kidding me? That's all you've got here is that, like, you think it'd be weird to bork a 19-year-old, you know? And I think that's really special. And also, I feel like this is the adult version of Avatar The Last Airbender where he's like, I'd rather kiss you than die. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, it's true. And I I love I love their dynamic. I love Katie, I love Clint. And I think it's cool to see as you go through the story, we won't really get into that on this, but as you continue through the run, the ups and downs of their relationship are are really interesting and just to see like how unhealthy their relationship can be at times with Kate enabling Clint to spiral. And but then also like her being willing to to break that bond a little bit for her own mental health. I think that it's one of the more human relationships we've seen in comics that actually feels tangible, but it also feels like it's going somewhere 
if that makes yeah. sense. Well, and you mentioned this earlier that the dialogue on this is really good and really human. And it's so true. Like all the writing here is sassy enough to be entertaining and keep you engaged, but it's not like stilted. So you're like, well, nobody even says that. Mm-hmm. And so it does a really good job of making these characters people. And I really love that. So along with the dialogue, something that I noticed that I think kind of helps with that um, is that, I don't know, when I read, I'm kind of, I'm more read, uh, used to reading, I guess, books. And like even some of the comics that I've read have been more, they kind of like flow more. It's usually, I guess, a little bit longer uh, pieces of dialogue and they kind of go into the next panel really smoothly. Whereas this feels like, if you compare it to music, almost like a staccato. Like, it's really short, um, abrupt, and, like, fast-paced. And that was kind of new to me, like, reading it at this different pace than what I'm used to. But, I don't know. At first, I thought it was just in the car chase issue, which I thought really fit it well, since it is, like, a high-paced, just so much going on thing. But, like, it is a fair amount in all the other issues as well. And so, I don't know. I, I was just noticing that. I don't know if you have anything to add. Well, yeah, I think it's really cool that Fraction and AHA are able to work together in this way where you look at a pa- a page that AHA's done, it's got 10-plus panels on it more often than not, which is not the norm. It's usually four to six panels on a page with longer dialogue bubbles, like JP was saying, where you kind of get to set your own pace. And I think that's some of the magic of comic books is like you get to spend as much time as you want. Like I was, this is a bit of a tangent, but I was reading uh, Robert Kirkman and Chris Samney's brand new comic, Firepower. And at the very back, they talk about how it was a mostly silent issue because it was like a kung fu fight at night, which it was great. Everybody read Firepower. But at the end, Robert Kirkman's like, I know I'm going to get letters complaining about how people read this in two minutes like they expect more if they have to wait month to month for these issues and he's like well how dare you like don't take the time with chris samney's work like he is telling just as much of the story with art as i ever could with words and like you should take your time with these but again like we're at liberty as the readers to fly through a comic book or take painstakingly long to get through them but i think fraction and aha especially in their dialogue scenes are able to break it down so that we go at exactly the pace they want to. They include four to five words in a panel, and they do these little tiny back-and-forth panels that force you to stop and acknowledge who's speaking, the artwork, their expressions, along with the dialogue bloom, without any separation that might come from a larger panel or a like a more stretched-out page. Yeah, and it really is interesting how like they'll fit, like, in that phone conversation, there are 24 different panels there. And I can't think of another comic book that has had as many as this. And they do a really good job of just packing really clear, concise information into that. So you get to spend a lot of time with these characters. Which I love because oftentimes with comic books, they don't have the luxury of a lot of dialogue. Mm -hmm. Because packing a lot of dialogue into something... When you're reading a comic, it's it's kind of terrifying. If you come to a page which just like, here's a big old paragraph. You're like, <laughs> I, I can't do it. Mm-hmm. But I feel like the craft here is done so well and it's broken up so clearly that 
they are able to spend a lot of time with these characters, which doesn't happen as often in most comic books. It's it's almost kind of like they have to have like one cool moment with this character to get you to remember it. But this is able to do so much more, and it's it's really fascinating for that reason. Well, I just think they, they solve so well the floating heads issue problem, you know? Because, like, in reality, dialogue in a comic book, art-wise, will translate into a bunch of stills of faces. You know what I mean? And, like, that's not very entertaining to look at. If you just have six panels, all with people like, <laughs> you know? You're going to get bored. You're going to fly through that page and you won't care about what's going on. But breaking it up into these 24 little panels that all have distinct expressions make it so that you want to spend time. You know, I'm reading along and I notice without any words that Kate Bishop makes a funny face when Clint says something stupid, you know, like she kind of scowls at him. And I wouldn't get that with less panels. Yeah. So I thought, I don't know. I thought that was really interesting. I actually, so I read through the first four issues and then I went back and read the, is that the third or third issue is the car chase. I went back and read that again. And I realized that the first time I read it out of inexperience or just like, I don't know, the pace I was going at the first time I missed a lot. And like, it just felt kind of, I don't know. It felt really choppy to me the first time. Whereas, and that's because I was looking mostly to the dialogue for the information. Whereas the second time I read it and I realized just how well the dialogue and the art worked together to tell that story. And so I took a lot more time on the second run through to kind of appreciate that art, appreciate how well the um, the dialogue went with it and how even though it, it didn't feel choppy anymore, it still had that kind of staccato feel, um, but like it made sense. Whereas the first time I was a little bit confused at some parts, I'd like, like I read through really quick, went back, read a little bit again and but like the second time I really slowed down. And so that would be my, my recommendation for reading. This is like, uh, from my experience, like take your time. It's worth it. Um, I'm, I'm not a super experienced comic book reader. I'm getting more as a, as we go through these podcasts and stuff, but like, I don't know. It's a lot of fun. It's just something you got to get used to, I guess, if you're anything like me. And I'm like you, I read fast and I, the breaks in my head to slow down the reading do not engage very well. And I feel like there needs to be like a comic book guide where it's like, okay, read the text, pause on the image, see the whole thing, move. Like I need like that in my head, but I'm not the best at it. I think something that has really helped me, I've noticed just from my own experience, but then like watching YouTube become more, engage with comic books you slow down the more you read comics it's like almost the opposite of reading like as a little kid you take years to read five pages and then the older you get and the more you read the faster you get right it's the exact opposite with comics i see people fly through issues and then the more they read the more they realize like oh the more time i spend here the more the story's gonna engage me the more i'm gonna like it and something i've actually been working myself on that's helped me really appreciate is I try and follow the eyeline that the artist creates. And because there have been times when I get mixed up in the dialogue, right? I'm like, which balloon do I read next? Which panel do I go to next? And it's really frustrating to me sometimes. And sometimes that's just poor craft, in all honesty. Sometimes they did not do a good job. But other times, I just need to pay attention to what they're trying to show me. And so, like, this page that T's on actually is really great. You see... 
if you follow the arrow from top to bottom, you can see it start to bounce around and it leads you through the panels at the pace you're supposed to go to. So you might look at this page and be like, oh, what order do I read these things in? But if you're willing to actually follow the art and follow the lines that David Aha is creating, there's no mystery to it, right? You know exactly the storytelling device of the arrow flying, bouncing, and coming back and hitting the bad guy in the neck. You don't, there are no questions about where it came from, what it's doing there. But if you just fly through without following that at all, you might be a little bit confused in all honesty of like what's going on, what the pacing's like here. Yeah, and you'll miss the story beats. And I feel like that's just another testament of like this artist is really good because my mother is a painter and she talks about eye paths all the time about you have to know when somebody looks at this, what's the first thing they're going to see and what is their eye going to follow? And because this is laid out so well, it's it's able to do that. But you, you definitely still have to slow down to get those things. JP, what are some of the things you feel like you picked up by slowing down in the third issue? Okay. Um, What did I pick up that? I think at first I was mostly just like reading through and then going back and looking at what happened. And so by kind of reading and then looking at that panel together instead of like reading the whole page and then going back and looking at the whole page. Um, I wasn't confused as I read the dialogue because the picture explained that dialogue bubble as I was reading it. Um, also, just a side note here. I loved how in this issue, so like uh, Hawkeye, he's got all these different types of arrows. Um, he's got putty arrow, uh, sonic arrow, explosive tip arrow, cable arrow. And it's fun because, like, take a second to read what arrow he's using, and then you see kind of, like, how it works in the other panels. Because um, otherwise, you, you're you just confused because you've got all these different effects of him throwing uh, or shooting arrows out, and you're like, what the heck? But, like, you read what arrow he's using with each one, and it makes a lot more sense. Uh, rocket arrow creates an explosion. Suction tip arrow, uh, he sticks it on the top of this car. And so, I don't know, that that helped me understand that a lot more. But it, I think overall, it just helped me appreciate, like, panel by panel um, what's going on rather than, like, reading and getting a general idea of what's going on and then going back and looking and trying to piece the, piece the information together. So what do you guys think honestly made you love these characters? Because if this is what we're talking about, what do you think were the best character moments in this? Uh, I think I talked about it a little bit, but I feel like I really... I love Kate right off the bat. I I gotta be honest, my introduction to Kate Bishop wasn't in this comic. It was in West Coast Avengers, which is a sequel to this. And she shines there. And so coming back and seeing her kind of at her inception here really was a lot of fun to see her characterization while written by Matt Fraction she's still very much Kate Bishop you know I feel like sometimes specific writers or artists have such a strong voice that characters get lost when they transfer creative teams but that didn't happen for Kate at all and I think she serves as such a good juxtaposition to the Clint character here where like he very much is a ragamuffin you know like you look at clint barton and you're like you kind of look like you just rolled around in soot like i wouldn't be surprised if he had like a cloud like pig pen following him as he goes along you know but it's also just band-aids falling off of him and like 
exploding arrows going off in his quiver. Like, Hawkeye is the hero that if you were passing in the street and it's like a mom and a little kid, they might cross the other side. Oh, for sure. I I love... He regularly, he can like hide the fact that he's an Avenger pretty easily. They're like, are you? Nah, not me. Just normal guy. And they're like, okay. But then other times he's like, I'm an Avenger. This is okay. And they'll be like, what are you? Are you Iron Fist or something? And he's like, no, Hawkeye. I'm Hawkeye. Founding Avenger. <laughs> like, I, I've been there since the beginning. Captain America trained me. No, nothing. Not perfect. All right. Um, I also... Outside of, like, personality and just who they are, I think something for me that was so powerful in this comic is iconography. Like, all the bad guys wear Adidas tracksuits. And as funny as it is, like, I've started watching Glee with my wife because that's the point of pandemic that I'm in, is watching Glee with my wife because she wore me down. And Sue Sylvester, the, like, main antagonist, she wears Adidas tracksuits all the time and that's her whole shtick and like i have a hard time believing these guys don't wear adidas tracksuits because of glee you know what i mean and so like i see I'm a track sure they are. Look at that icon. oh no they're wearing adidas tracksuits for sure and like i see an adidas tracksuit and in my brain i know uh-oh here's trouble you know or like we talked about earlier i see red and i'm like oh sexy fun this is gonna be a crazy issue i see purple i think hawkeye and, Cl- and kate hawkeye's you know, I, if it's something as subtle as like a purple tie that Clint's wearing or the full blown purple outfits that they're wearing, there's a little accent of purple in all the shots that they have. And that iconography really helps tie me to those characters and makes me feel comfortable, safe. And again, I think that comes back to Matt Hollingsworth. It's funny, like this is called the fraction and aha run, but I'm like, I keep coming back to Matt Hollingsworth and how amazing what he has done with this issue with this comic has been so i think that's kind of for me is iconography i think one of my things that really helped me fall in love with these characters is that they are multi-dimensional you have hawkeye and you see both of them being really strong and powerful and doing things for other but others but you also have these kind of very human moments and the fact that they're able to switch back and forth between those so well is really powerful and like i even love that the villain at the end of the first of the first one after getting beat up by hawkeye and basically paid under the table money to just get out of town he's like bro what kind of avenger does this i broke no laws bro i'm allowed to raise rents and it's just funny because hawkeye's like just shut it get out of here you don't want to have this fight and so i love that there's some real truth to that question like what kind of avenger beats up a bunch of yeah like they're not nice dudes but they didn't do anything illegal but then at the same time he is so self-sacrificing for other people and i love seeing that dichotomy of of character and that you have both sides of that because too often you you get one-sided superheroes and that can really work but it's really fun to see both sides of both hawkeyes yeah, I think my favorite part of the characters, especially like Clint and Kate, is just their relationship, like how they interact with each other. I mean, one of my fa- like they have this huge respect and admiration for each other, but at the same time, like they're not afraid to like tease each other and like give each other crap. Like my favorite page in the in the issue is that one where like so Clint just 
gets done with his one night stand or whatever and has Kate go pick her up, pick him up because the guys came and stole the girl away. And she just takes off her glasses with a super judgy look. She's like, really? Kate, really with the abs and the drive? Yeah, yeah, keep your shirt on. <laughs> I just love how much sass she gives him. Like, I don't know, just that relationship. Like, you can tell throughout the whole story, like, just how much they respect and admire each other. Um, like, Clint, for his experience, for, like, his... Um, selflessness and wanting to help out others and then Kate like just for like she's amazingly talented and like even though she's so young she'll go out and um, she'll be a full-blown Avenger and like so like they just have this mutual respect and admiration that I really love in their um, relationship yeah and I think that is honestly the strength of this comic is it's talking about very mundane things. Okay, not very mundane. I mean, it's still a comic, you know? There's there's still a mafia, and there's still some plots, and there's still a bunch of action, and duffel bags full of cash, and it's fun, but it doesn't try to go as over-the-top as other superhero stories. Instead, it just says, what if we make a more normal story with really just adorable characters? And you're like, I, I can get behind that. I really like that. I like the dog. And I like Clint. And I like Kate. And I like just the chill nature of all the tenants at the building, which are part of the story. And because they spend so much time on the mundane, it really makes it special. Well, I, just, I love the influence that this comic had on the comics industry as a whole. Like I was explaining to you guys, all those events that led up to Kate being... Hawkeye like I saw the glaze go over your eyes a little bit and like that's the reality of where superhero comics were because at the end of the day they were competing with television they were competing with movies and they thought the way to do that was to just up the spectacle over and over and over again and make it bigger and bigger and more bombastic and what Matt Fraction and David Aha did was they brought it right back to what made Marvel Comics special from the beginning you had DC Comics that had a ton of heart, had a ton of fun, had these big wacky sci-fi adventures. And Stan Lee and Jack Kirby came in and said, we're going to make a, com- a sci-fi comic book about a family with the Fantastic Four. And they came in and they're like, all right, we're going to make a superhero story about a 15-year-old kid that has all the coibles of a 15-year-old kid. you know. And they made really human stories with aspects of heroism. And they sold like hotcakes. I mean, here we are. 75 80 years later and still going strong you know and i think that matt fraction tapped back into exactly that magic with this hawkeye run and regardless of how people feel about the hawk guy persona that this created and whether or not they like that for clint's character i think the craft and what this story did was good for comics in the long run because we've had fantastic things come out of it we've had i mean my favorite character of the last 10 years Kamala Khan is a result of this you know it's like oh people want to hear human stories again people don't need big bombast for it to be interesting and I really appreciate that from this story yeah and one of my favorite examples of this is because I'm pretty sure that I've said this line to you before JP in a different context but they're chasing they're having this car chase and Clint and well both Hawkeyes are in the purple car and they crash into the red car that belongs to Clint's date. First off, that's just a cool panel with the crash at the top. 
And then Kate turns to Hawkeye and says, look, it's a metaphor for your love life. (laughs) And (laughs) it's just like, there's so many layers of that being fantastic because it's like, it's the, it's the girl that he now likes and they just crashed his car into hers after she got kidnapped from being with him. And it's just like so perfect. And it's just like, you can tell that they're friends and you really get to feel that camaraderie. And it's like, Oh no, this, this is, this is a thing that you do with your friends. You joke about how bad their love lives are. And it's just, it makes it so personable and and lovable. Okay. I've got a question. So neither Hawkeye nor Kate have superpowers. So what is it that makes them superheroes? I feel like I've already mentioned this briefly, but just the fact that they're willing to help other people and be brave in that fact. Cause it's kind of like, I feel like a lot of people the world over, they want to help people. You know, very few people are just like, I'm in it for myself. But then usually we don't have the courage to do the really hard things that would need to happen to help people. Whereas Clint and Kate want to help people and they're not perfect, but they're actually willing to do that. They're willing to go and be like, well, time to get in a fist fight with a bunch of mafia members to buy back an apartment complex just to help people that can't help themselves. Even though I'm pretty sure Clint gets shot doing that. And then even after getting shot, he goes back to help the dog that helped him not get killed when he was shot. And just like this tenacious pursuit of doing what's best for other people even when it's going to hurt you yeah i i agree with that sentiment basically i it reminds me shameless plug here we have a manga podcast uh triple m mungo manga men and or manga mungo men whatever the heck you want to say and we talked about My Hero Academia. We talked about Deku. And right there in the first issue, he has no powers, right? And what makes All Might decide that he would be a worthy successor is, like, he throws himself in danger's way to protect other people, even though he's the least disposed to help. And so I think Hawkeye really encapsulates that. You know, while, like those first lines said, well, you've got Thor, Captain America, Iron Man, Ant-Man, Doctor Strange running around. This guy with a bow and arrow is like, I can contribute just as much as they can. And he makes an active effort to do so. But I also think some of the lightning in a bottle with this is they don't fight anything crazy. You know, like Hawkeye doesn't have any superpowers, but he also like, he stands up to the system a little bit, you know? And that's something that's so prevalent in 2020 right now is that like, there are things that people want to change in the system. There are things that aren't working very well. And you can either be like, oh, man, I need somebody else to take care of that. Oh, man, I hope X, Y, or Z representative will solve this issue for me. And we've been proven time and time again, like, that's not occurring, you know? And it's like Hawkeye... It's never been effective. No, it's never never been like, hey, you, that this doesn't affect. I hope you fix this for me. It doesn't work. But Clint says, oh, man, you know what? If I lose this apartment... I can go live at Avengers Mansion. That's pretty easy for me. But if my neighbors lose this apartment, they're homeless. And so he, from his place of privilege, being in the Avengers, actively works against 
the corrupt system, you know? And I think that's a more inspiring superhero story than a lot of the other things, you know? That's more inspiring than Spidey beating Doc Ock yet again, you know? And I don't I love, I love this down-to-earth Hawkeye. And I think it's really relevant for our time right now. Do you want to answer your own question, JP? Sure, yeah. Um, yeah, I think it's, I think what you guys said is completely true, that, like, he's able to sacrifice himself for others including going against the system to help out those that can't help themselves and that's something that I, I feel like we can definitely use more of in today and it doesn't take superpowers just how Clint and Kate show us um, it just takes willingness to um, you know put ourselves out there get out of our comfort zone and stand up for what we believe in um, something else that I really liked Clint and Kate um, they they developed their talents like something that let them fight alongside the Avengers is their ability to shoot arrows and um, fight bad guys. But like that wasn't a superhuman power that they were born with. It's something that they developed and something along with that that I really enjoy is that just because there was already Clint as Hawkeye, that didn't stop Kate from stepping up and becoming Hawkeye as well. Just because somebody's really good at one thing doesn't mean that they're the only person that can help the world with that ability. And so sometimes I feel like in the world, like, oh, there's already people that are great at doing X or doing Y, so why should I even try? Like, I'm only this good at it. Like, I, I enjoy it and I do well at it, but, like, I'm not as good as them. And, like, just because you're not as good as somebody else doesn't mean you should develop that talent and use it to help others. And so that's something I really like about both Clint and Kate. And it's kind of cool. Like, Kate has the... net. Uh, a better natural ability for it but like Clint's got experience and so they can both help each other out there and I, I do like this topic because I also think it's interesting because one of the things that we're saying we value is just that it's kind of like we have these very down-to-earth people who in some ways aren't unique deciding to do a lot but it also doesn't pretend that like they are weak people like they are incredibly powerful and i feel like that's a very true thing for like superheroes in general is it's not actually a virtue to be weak and i think sometimes we kind of consider that a virtue but it's like it is helpful to like have talents and to be good at things and they can affect more change because of that and i feel like that's something we can think about is like what are my talents and how can i apply them to honestly have power to the affect the change that I want to affect. So I don't really have any fresh thoughts, but I have a few wrapping up thoughts. Do you guys have anything else before? No, um, something to what you guys were just saying to this like experience versus like new and tenacious. Total side tangent here, but if listeners or you two haven't seen the movie Palm Springs yet on Hulu, it's one of the only new movies that came out this year. So by default, it's that or Sonic the Hedgehog is best movie. I'm going to go with this one being the best movie. I'm not going to tell you anything about it other than because I think that's half the fun is figuring out the shtick of the movie. Other than there is that dynamic presented where there's someone that's got a lot of experience and someone that's very new to a situation. And that dichotomy propels the story in a really interesting way. It's got Andy Samberg. It's a very fun indie movie. It says a lot of F words though. So watch at your own behest i guess it's like sex criminals so good but i can't recommend it to everyone 
Just like make sure you got the disclaimer on the front there. Um, so I hope you like that a lot. I really liked this a lot. I I want more comics like this, basically. Yeah, especially because see here here's me, and if you are have watched this a few times, you know that I tend not to love the superhero comics, and these two get kind of pissed about it. Um, we like them, and but see, like this thing is honestly something I like because it feels accessible, it feels down to earth and close to home, and I really do identify with the characters, which means a lot to me with my superheroes so i i really like this it's a lot of fun um, i kind of want to borrow your long one dallas and read it all <laughs> okay all right, should we do our ratings or anything else that we want to wrap up with ratings 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 oh yeah we do one to ten here we give these things a value based on their artwork we value <laughs> art here we tell you if your art is good or bad. Numbered system. We break it down. This is not arbitrary. This is fact. I'd have to give this one an eight. Um, I I really enjoyed it. It was a little bit. The art is a little bit different for me. Um, just I don't know. Maybe not my favorite style. It's great. Um, it's just personal preference to me though. And so I don't know. I I, I liked it quite a bit. It was, it was a fun one to read. I'd give it like an 8.5. I really liked the art, and we said briefly how I felt about the, the nice heavy lines in the beginning. Um, so I really liked the art. I really liked how personal it is, and I really just love the characters. So, And it's actually been fun to spend more time with it because I love it more as I spend more time with the characters. So I'm really excited to read the whole thing. All right, I'm going to give a bit of a cop-out here. Okay. Uh, the first three issues that we reviewed here, I'd probably agree with you, like 8.5, maybe even 8.75 for me. But having read the whole big boy over there that JP's holding, the last third of this story is so banana nuts crazy and ties back so well to the beginning of this. There is a bit of a lull in the middle, I'm not going to lie to you. Like the last 10 issues of this series are and so like it has informed me going back and reading these first three to make me like them more so i think like 9.28 is where i'm gonna sit on this because of rereading them after reading the beginning makes me love them more awesome well thank you everybody for listening this has been dtr comics where we review different graphic media and we hope to see you next week because we usually come out with things every week except when we don't Except when we don't. <laughs> Love you all. Follow us on, on Twitter. We've actually been post- posting funny stuff recently. And so all the more reason to do so. And we love you. So much. Yes. You sweet, sweet listeners. Signing off. We'll see you next time. <laughs>